Hey, this is Mindy from Dying Oath, and you are listening to Misery Point Radio. cultists to another soul ripping edition of misery point radio appreciate you listening to that devil on your shoulder and joining me here in the wasteland it's always good to have you around to validate my existence and give some purpose to my creepy disembodied voice that infects the airwaves i feel the love from y'all i really do it's kind of tingly in a limb numbing hallucinogenic anesthetic induced shattered reality kind of way but i'll take it because my inner self says that any love is good love So I'll take what I can get. Yes, I'll take what I can get. Actually, I think that's a song. Anyway, returning to the show today is my good friend Mindy Jackson, one half of the dual vocal onslaught from Virginia Metalcore Powerhouse Dying Oath. Mindy was on some time ago, and so many things have happened with Dying Oath since then that I figured it was time to bring her back on and give us the lowdown. We, of course, addressed the five million pound elephant in the room, and no, I'm not talking about me, you bastards. I'm referring to the band's lineup change that saw the exit of three OG members and the welcoming of three new ones. We also talked about their epic performances at the Blue Ridge Rock Festival and Metal in the Mountains, the direction they're taking with new material, how the band dynamic has evolved, and of course, the status of their long-awaited album, which I can confirm is officially in production and well on its way to infecting your delicate little ear holes. Needless to say, the band is working hard to bring you new content. They know it's been a while, but I promise it'll be worth it. And once you hear Mindy utter those sweet, sweet words telling us the world will finally have a Dying Oath album someday in the not-so-distant future, all will be right with the universe, and you will again have something to look forward to besides my velvety smooth vocal delivery and obviously spell-enhanced charm. So knock off that angel on your shoulder, put on that battle jacket, and check out this conversation with a true metal innovator. Here we go. Hey, Mindy, welcome back to the show. Awesome to see your face again after so long. It's uh, It's been a very long time. It's nice to see you as well. Hope you had a good birthday. Oh, thank you. It was it was pretty awesome. It was pretty chill. Uh, my wife and I just kind of ignored the entire world and sat back and... Uh, watched some playoff games and had some shots of screwball and uh, just kind of uh, enjoyed hanging out together, which we sadly don't often uh, get a chance to do as, as often as we like. So yeah, it was, it was pretty rad. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking about yesterday. I was hoping it went well. Yeah. While you were like poking voodoo dolls and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Woo-hoo! So, you know, man, I was thinking about this uh, and I don't I don't remember exactly what it was that triggered um, me saying, God damn, I need to catch up with Mindy. But it's been a long time, I think, since we last spoke. Uh, You know, you guys had just released Insomniac. And so, yeah, that's been a minute. (laughs) That has been a while. Yeah, we've gone through a a lot of stuff since then. Actually, we've released another single since then and uh, we've had. I don't know, 300 member changes, probably. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, actually. And that's kind of, I think, uh, some of the stuff I wanted to chat about, um, you know, getting back to our first conversation, you know, after Insomniac came out, it was just like, boom, Dying Oath was like everywhere. I mean, you guys really just kind of, I think, took over the world, really, as as far as my perception (laughs) goes. Uh, that the song was great. The video was epic, of course. And, you know, in the in the height of all the bullshit that was kind of going on in the world with, you know, COVID and things going into lockdown and all the stuff kind of grinding to a halt, there was Dying Oath kind of all over the social medias. And so I, I always just thought that was kind of cool. And on top of that, like, I don't often do like, you know, reviews for singles and get excited about just singles in and of themselves but that particular song i was like whoa man this is just really something telling about what you guys had coming down the road and then like you said a few months later you'd sent me that hey here's what's kind of coming out with end of days and i was like okay this this shit's for real (laughs) it was uh it was pretty crazy so um you know i heard that speaking of end of days uh 
you guys had some challenges making that video, right? I heard that there was some, maybe some directional philosophical differences and you guys all had kind of a, a different approach to how you wanted to do that. Tell us about that. Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> that's a whole lot of stuff to open up really. Um, well, I mean, you know, honestly, like no matter what you do or how many people are in your band or what age you are or any of that, it just kind of seems like, you know, everybody's going to have their own approach to things and how they want to do things and which direction you should go. And, you know, there's always going to be something right where people disagree or, or even agree, but it's, it's been crazy. It has, when you have six people that are on different schedules that are on different wavelengths that are all different ages that are from different States, you know, there's a lot that goes into everything that you do, yeah. whether it be just writing music or agreeing on, you know, if we're going to sign to a label or if we're going to stay under management or if we're going to, you know, it's, it's a huge can of worms to open. <laughs> it is. That. And, you know, coming off of, I think, the the success of the Insomniac video, you know, and all, all of that stuff that, that you kind of mentioned, it doesn't come through in the end of day's video. Like it's still everybody seems like it, it, at, at the end of <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, it, it came across very cohesive and I guess on brand, if you will. It was it was a fantastic video. And you shot that at that Helheim attraction, right? We did. Um, Helheim is actually not only our only local haunt, but it's actually our only local venue as well. And that's kind of been home to us. So it just kind of came natural to want to do it there. You know, and plus it kind of has that end of days apocalyptic yeah. kind of feel to it. And, you know, I think everybody's perception of what the video was going to be was was different. Um, I think if you read the lyrics or, you know, if you listen to the lyrics, then it's kind of. Like you said, it's it's a perception thing. It's, you know, if whatever you think is going to happen. At the end of time, if that if we even see that, you know, nobody knows, but it just kind of gave us that feel just being there. And so it worked perfectly to to shoot the video there. Yeah. Also, um, speaking about some of the other stuff then that ended up kind of coming down the road, I think that was, I don't want to say the beginning cause you'd had some changes before, but you know, of course that was the last video featuring Jeb. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, th I think that that kind of really came as a surprise, um, at least from, from the outside perspective of us kind of listening in, knowing dying oath from the videos, from the online presence. Uh, I'm sure that, probably internally there were some things that maybe it wasn't so shocking to you guys, but are you, are you willing to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, we, I mean, I wouldn't say we knew that member changes were coming, but I think that's, that's one of the things that just comes with any band. Any band is going to tell you that everybody starts out thinking that's just going to be your final lineup. And for some people it is, it's kind of like a relationship. You know, some people marry the first person they ever fall in love with. And it's kind of like that with a band, you know, if you get lucky enough to do that, that's great. But you know, in today's time, and like I said, six different people having different schedules and whatnot, things happen, yeah. you know, and luckily any changes that we've gone through have been, you know, good changes. It's it's for the better for their lives and, you know, for us in the long run, because they can't fulfill their duties or, you know, whatever, because of their life changes. And so um, that was kind of a special video for us because of that, because that was the last thing that we got to do with Jeb. And we still talk to him all the time and he still helps out with things here and there. But um, I think for that reason and the fact that we did shoot it at home on our own soil, you know, kind of it made that video really something special to us, something close to our heart. Um, it's going to kind of be hard to top that not only because of, you know, the relationship we had with Jeb, but because the video was our big thing. It was the thing that everybody, you know, knows us by and, and the popular thing. And it's crazy because we never thought that people are even going to pay attention to us. You know, we were in our first year when we did all this. And so we were like, you know, first year for a band is just, nothing usually 
And then by the second year, you know, we've got all this on our plate. People are listening. We've got, you know, close to 15,000 followers and we have played Blue Ridge and it just kind of got out of control, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest. But we're just trying to now keep up with all of that because we didn't have time to finish our album or do any of that. So now we're kind of playing catch up because while everybody was in the middle of COVID and they weren't doing anything and they were taking time off, we were working harder because we're like, people are going to only be online right now. So we have to make sure we get out tons of material while we're on our off time Mm -hmm. and, and make that time worth it so that people actually will still know who we are because we don't have shows to go out and make a name for ourselves. So we used all that time to, to do what we needed to do to make sure people knew who we are, but we just didn't know that they were going <laughs> to accept it so quickly. So, I mean, it was great, but it's a learning experience every time. So now we're trying to finish an album and do all the things we should have done in the first two years. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, I, I think when everything was kind of happening, you know, with the world, people from an artist standpoint were like, what do I do? Do I put stuff on hold? Do I keep moving forward? Uh, if I release material and I can't support it with a tour, is it just going to go into limbo? Do I release an album? Do I just release singles? Do I just do videos? And so there was just so many things that happened. And a lot of bands just said, well, I'm just going to take a break and just wait till this all blows over thinking it was going to be, you know, a couple of weeks, couple of months, you know, definitely not two or three years. Right. So those that I think held off and did nothing are probably like, well, fuck man, that was a probably not the right thing to do. And y'all just uh, kept plowing forward. And as you said, you you had a few more changes as well. You know, uh, Ryan Matney, uh, went off and, uh, I think uh, Gage departed. Right. So, so you've got a whole new lineup, as you said, and uh, of course, uh, Jacob came on to replace uh, Jeb. So just kind of tell us about your your current lineup and how that process went, how the auditions went, and uh, kind of what were those final decision-making factors to solidify who you guys have right now? Well, as you said, uh, we first lost Jeb because, you know, there were so many things going on in his life. There was so much going on with the band and it was just hard for him to keep up with things. And we said, you know, if you if you want to come back at some point, cool. If you can't, you know, we're all still best friends so that we'll you know, continue to keep in touch and help you with your music career and whatever else you need, whatever. And so um, he just ended up not coming back. So we found Jacob which we held auditions. We had like over 70 auditions for that. Damn. So that was hell to try and sift through all that. Uh, then we finally found him and then kind of almost the same thing happened with Matney. He had a lot of family issues and things of that nature. And he ended up having to move back to West Virginia and with his job and his schedule and everything, you know, we had to find a bass player, which we understood, which kind of sucked for me because he was my roommate right. and my best friend. So that was a hard decision to have to make, but it was one that we had to make. And so we moved on from that and uh, we held a couple of auditions, but uh, our friend Kristen Sawyers, uh, who actually was the vocalist and guitar player for um, Villain Over Heroes, actually uh, came in and just blew us away. And so we were like, okay, well, you're usually a vocalist and a guitar player, but damn, if you didn't just come in and kill the bass parts. So um, we brought her in and it was just kind of a natural thing. She was already a friend of ours and she was uh, a fan of the band. Actually, she used to come to all our shows and was a big supporter anyway. So it was a natural thing. And then uh, Gage actually, um, Congratulations to him because he's going to be a father soon. Oh, shit. And uh, he made the decision um, to take time away from music so that he could be with his girlfriend, you know, and and we completely respect that. Um, Some of the guys already have kids, so they know how hard it is to try and juggle things. And he's going to be a new father. So that's that's a lot different than already having kids come into this. So, um. You know, we're still friends with everybody in the band, obviously, and everybody past and present, but we couldn't just go without a drummer. You know, sometimes you can play <laughs> shows without a bass player. Um, we could have gone on without a vocalist. If we'd had to, I would have just done two parts and we would have written some of the lines out. 
but having a drummer is a have to. You can do drum machines and all of that programming and whatever, but it's just, it slows down the process so much, especially since we were literally about to go in the studio and start tracking drums for the album. So we're like, okay, we have to, we've got to find somebody. And so once again, we had a bunch of auditions and Sean came in and that dude is just like slipknot level, dare I say, like drummer. He's just absolutely phenomenal. He's fast. He has technique. He's such a nice guy in general. And he just kind of fit in with us right off the bat. So it's another one of those things where when you know, you know, I know that's cliche, but you know, somebody that just comes in and just fits on all levels. It's just natural selection. You have to go with your gut, go with your instincts, see what works. Um, I think that we are more so looking for somebody that fit with the band than we were, you know, like the best musicians on earth, because you can learn to be a better musician, but that bond that we have is something that, you know, we're proud of and something that has always been a part of us. So we needed to find somebody that really fit with us. And luckily we have, and hopefully no more member changes forever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you guys are, um, definitely one of the things that, that projects about dying oath is there is clearly a relationship factor among the members. This is not just a random, you know, people coming together and just play music and then, you know, get the fuck out of each other's faces. It, it's really something that, that you guys put a lot into. And, and it definitely, I think that that shows your, your, uh, presence there especially in a live performance setting you can feel the chemistry between all of you and so to have three new member changes in a year and still be able to maintain that level of i guess family bond if you will is pretty remarkable um so congratulations on that because that's a huge feat in and of itself to replace one person let alone three in the midst of all the craziness thank you and i'm not gonna lie we are absolutely terrified um you never know if you're not going to find members like some of the bands that I was in in the past. The reason why we didn't move forward is because we just couldn't find members. And we live in a small town where there's not a lot of musicians. So there's not a <laughs> lot of people to choose from. I mean, Jacob is an hour away in West Virginia. Kristen lives an hour away in North Carolina. And um, Sean lives an hour away in Roanoke. So, um, it takes a lot of commitment for people to want this project to move forward. And we found people that not only, you know, fit well with us, but they really want to see this project get off the ground. And they were fans of the band before. And we've gotten really lucky that, you know, the band moved so far early on that people heard us enough to want to be a part of the project, to want to push the project forward. So it is remarkable. And we were kind of in panic mode because we're supposed to be, you know, doing the album and getting content out for that and, and trying to move forward. And all we could do was worry about if we were even going to have members to do that with, which I feel like we probably would have just done our own work and done studio work until we found somebody anyways. But I'm, I'm really thankful that we've been blessed enough to have people that want to help us get this project off the ground. Yeah. I think that's pretty epic. And and we've touched on the, the album a couple of times here, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I did want to ask you, though, about those two particular shows that you had a chance to play, which was uh, the Blue Ridge Rock Festival um, and Metal in the Mountains. Um, So now were those kind of debut shows at all for any of the new the new family members? Um, Metal in the Mountains uh, was well and Blue Ridge were Jacob's first couple of shows, right? So, um, the other members weren't with us there yet, but, uh, yeah, we were kind of freaking out a little bit about that too, because we had just got Jacob before those shows and those were huge festivals and we're like, okay, well, what if he freaks out? Or <laughs> what if he, you know, like, what if he goes out on stage and he freezes up or whatever? But honestly, like this band somehow, like we always pull everything out of our ass last minute under pressure. It's like, we worked so well under pressure that Jacob was just amazing you know and we knew then that we'd made the absolute right decision because he even though he'd never played shows before in his life like that he came out and did it like he'd been doing it his whole life so yeah playing a show is one thing playing a festival it's a whole other fucking ball game um 
at least for some people whose, you know, comfort levels may or may not have been, you know, super tested yet. So that's, that's definitely pretty awesome. I, I remember hearing a story though, that something got really fucked up with one of those shows. There was a booking problem. You guys, uh, had a, a communication issue with the promoter or something. So tell us about that because that seemed really freaking stressful. Um, that was actually Blue Ridge and it wasn't just our band. It was a ton of bands that, you know, it was Blue Ridge's what their second or third year, but it was a new location and all new staff and new management, and all of that. And, you know, they really kind of didn't have things together because they didn't know how things were going to go over or, you know, any of that. And they had 160,000 people show up. <laughs> so in a small town, you know, things are going to get screwed up. And I will say, you know, it, it was kind of a, it was kind of a shit show for, for the <laughs> first bit of it, but everything that went wrong, they were on top of it and they were fixing it as quick as they could. But to that capacity with all those people, you know, it's hard to keep up with everything that's going wrong. We got there and there was hours of time of us just driving around, trying to figure out where the band was supposed to camp. And then, you know, trying to figure out who had our wristbands, how do we get in? How do we get the people that came with us in? how do we get our crew, you know, like backstage, like all the stuff that, Every band freaks out about every show, but when you're playing for, you know, I think we probably had at least 10,000 or more people just in our crowd that day. Um, it's it's very stressful, but as I said, we're a band that works well under pressure, <laughs> so we somehow, you know, everything ended up okay and, and went really smooth and was actually the best show of our career so far. So, you know, things are going to happen, but I don't think it's the mistakes that happen. It's how you make up for it, how you get through it. And it was a learning process. And I'm glad that we did that. So, you know, years to come, we'll know what to expect and how to kind of accommodate to those things. And I think for Blue Ridge, it was the same thing. You know, last year was a learning experience. And this year, if they have it, then they'll have all those things under their belt to know what to do this year in the same location. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I, I hear about that quite a bit on the big things and having to drive around, you know, finding out it's one thing for like a, I think a, a customer, if you will, or a concert goer, like, Oh, where do I go? What's going on? But if you're a band and you're like, I'm on at X time and I don't even have my shit unloaded yet. And you know, <laughs> you know sound checks happening. That can be, that can be pretty crazy. Um, I don't play shows anymore, but I remember back in the day, all of the logistical nightmares of just a small show, let alone uh, having to deal with multiple people on you know multiple areas and if that place had multiple stages or this or that that just compounds it even more yeah there were i can't remember if there were five or six stages but i mean you were walking like a mile from one end to the other <laughs> you know to get to the stages and i know they're going to accommodate that this year and um you know trying to figure out where your bathrooms were on your camps you could shower and uh luckily we kind of wanted to try and nip that in the bud in the beginning so we got there a day ahead of time and so we didn't have to play the day after thank goodness so we had a whole day to just hang out do what we needed to do figure out who we needed to talk to where we needed to go before friday we got there wednesday night so we had plenty of time to get ready and everything but it was still just kind of scary because that was our first huge festival of that capacity and so we're like man what if we don't even get to play like this is kind of some scary shit that we're going through right now but everything got worked out and went smoothly thankfully um and then the fans had to wait outside like hours before they couldn't even get in the gate so we're like what if none of our fans get in to watch us play because we played at like noon on a friday we're like nobody's gonna show up for this and then we got really lucky <laughs> because we played side stage right after stitched up heart and that's another female fronted band. So as soon as they left there, we kind of got all of their crowd too at the same time. So we were really blessed for that for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And those that get to see Dying Oath live have the added benefit of basically hearing songs on your set list that haven't been released in physical format yet. I mean, I don't imagine you go to a festival and play three songs, right? So um, that's pretty awesome. Um. Well, for Blue Ridge, we only had time for three songs oh. because our songs are like 20 minutes long. <laughs> um, no, but um, they only give you like a 20 minute set because there's, like I said, there are tons of bands. Um, 
over a hundred bands probably in four days. I think I can't remember exactly how many, but there was a lot. And so we only got three songs. Oh, wow. Okay. And so we played two of the singles that we released and then one that we didn't. And we kind of wanted to see how that was going to go over for metal in the mountains. We got to play our whole set. So we've only released three songs. Mm -hmm. So unless people came and watched us play prior to that, it was a whole new set other than just the three songs. But of course we've been playing those songs for like two years. So we're tired of them. (laughs) And now we have to go in the studio and record them Yeah, and then put them out. So, (laughs) well, let's talk about that then. So when you and I first talked, the, the plans for the album were in the works and I can only assume that, you know, the COVID and all the other stuff kind of delayed things, but tell us then, where are we with new material? We know there's an album in the works, but how much is recorded and, and what's it looking like for you guys right now? Okay. So in the beginning when COVID hit, the plan was not to even do a full album. We were going to le- release a single wait a few months, release a single, because at that time with everybody being online and not being able to get out to shows, that was what was working. Right. And then, you know, shows started opening back up and we were able to go out and support this album. So we're like, okay, well, instead of releasing a compilation of releasing all of our singles, instead, since we now have off time in between that we've, you know, gotten ready for and prepared for, then we're going to go ahead and instead just do the whole album because we now have all the material written. We all have, you know, members now that can actually go and record. So, um, unfortunately Gage left right before we could get to the studio. So that delayed it. We had to find a bass player and a drummer. So that delayed more time. Then the drummer and the bass player had to come in and learn all the material So that put in more time. And then we were told that uh, from our management team that it would be wise not to put those three singles on the album because they're previously released in case somebody, a label per se, might pick up the album. So we had to write three more songs to replace the three that we were going to put on the album, which took more time. But we are now in the process of recording. Uh, We're recording drums currently. And then after that, it'll kind of be a breeze because guitar players get things done pretty soon, you know, pretty easily. And then uh, vocals usually only take about a day to get done, two at the most. And so... Damn, you guys power through it. We really do. Um, But like I said, we've been doing the songs for two years, so we're really prepared for it. Some bands go in and just write as they go. But since we have everything done and ready and we know these songs like the back of our hands, other than the three new songs, we'll go in and just lay it down. Like we always do get it done, work out some kinks. Uh, what takes so long, which any band will tell you is the studio editing all those songs because they'll do one song. They'll send it to you. Be like, okay, do you like it? Is there anything you want to change? If there's changes that takes more time, so on and so forth. And you've got to do that for 12 songs. Yeah. So that's going to take several months. So even though we're almost done with the recording process, the editing process, the producing takes a long time. And then you've got the mix and master, which takes even more time. So once that gets done, of course, they're going to want us to do probably a video or two, some content, um, getting ready for promotion, um, you know, what uh, posts we're going to boost to get everybody ready for it. So that's going to take more time. So it's going to be several months, but we are getting through it as quickly as physically possible. Well, you answered one of my questions about that then, which was whether or not those first three were going to be included, which now we know they are not. Do you think that we'll see those pop up on some kind of uh, EP or special release in the future on anything? We actually talked about it's a possibility that we might, since we have a new vocalist, a new drummer and all that, that we might re-record those songs just for our fans, not really to release on Spotify or anything like that, but maybe to give out at shows as an EP or whatever. Or, you know, if you guys want it bad enough and let us know, then maybe we'll just take those three songs, put it on an EP and just re-release it that way. Um, But really, I think, you know, we've had those three songs released for like two years and people are probably as sick of it as we are. <laughs> so um, really, we're just focused right now on getting these new 12 songs out, because honestly, everybody thought that these three songs were so great. And uh, as much as we love them, 
I honestly feel like those three songs were the least powerful, the, le- the least passionate of all those songs because those were the first ones we wrote. Right. And having time together and that bond together and learning how each other writes, I think our material now is so much better. It's leaps and bounds above, you know, the 2000 style metalcore that we started out with. So we're still sticking to that, obviously, because um, we're trying to bring that back. But at the same time, it's got a more modern sound to it because we now have Endicott, who is putting in some of his songs that he's written instead of just Josh. And we've got a new drummer that, you know, most bands will tell you once you get a new drummer, it changes everything about the song. And so they sound different to us, which has made us, you know, like the songs a little more and not as worn out. And then we've got a new bass player that does different runs and and new vocalist that is completely different from Jeb. So it's going to be different from anything that you've heard, but I think it's going to be better. I think that you guys will actually enjoy it a lot more than just the three songs that we released. So I'm excited about it. Well, you mentioned the fact that your songs are like an hour and a half long a piece. Um, are these going to be kind of along, along the same lines? I, Cause I call them epic songs, right? They're very, your songs are very storytelling. They have a very yeah. distinctive kind of methodology behind them. Is that going to remain the same? Yeah, I think that, you know, with the album in mind, when we were writing, this entire album does tell one story and it's just different chapters of the book, so to speak. Okay. So all of these songs are going to kind of stay in that same vein of of storytelling. But as I said, with the process of writing, we've also learned that we also need shorter songs for for festival time, for radio time, because it's hell to try and chop up a song to put on the radio when it tells a story because you're going to take out, you know, parts of the chapter. So, um, we've learned a lot about writing. So the three newer songs aren't quite as long. Uh, some of them are still six, seven minute songs <laughs> because we've got long intros and, and things of that nature, but, uh, some of them are, are shorter. So you're going to get a little bit of both, but they're still going to tell the same story of what we're trying to get out. And I think that once you get the whole album, you'll kind of understand the band more and uh you know what we stand for and the word that we're trying to put out so hopefully that translates well once the album's finished you mentioned that the songs all kind of tie in together to tell a story are we going down the road of like concept album or are these just kind of loosely related and not linear in that sense yeah, I don't think that it's going to be a concept album uh, per se. I mean, it's like I said, it's all in the same vein, but this is more of just telling our story than just telling, you know, a concept of a story that we want to tell. It's more of just like the evolution of Dying Oath and where we started and where we are now and just trying to keep that empowerment um, you know, for our fans, because that's really what we do it for anyways. You know, we could spend all the time in the world making albums or whatever, but we're really doing it for you guys. And that's why we're trying to get it out so quickly is because, you know, you've waited so long, you've been so patient, you guys have followed us and done everything that we've asked and helped us in every way possible that you could for a band. And so this is kind of just our thank you. We've already started on like new material for the next album, (laughs) but we haven't, you know, we haven't finished this one. So we're trying to just get this out, get it done. And then we'll start working on the new stuff because anybody that's seen us live knows most of these songs, except for the new stuff that we just finished writing. So um, it's just going to be kind of like a thank you. And the people that know us will understand what the concept of all of this is. Um, But the new people that haven't really heard of us, I think that it's still going to translate enough for people to understand, you know, what we're trying to say. So it's not really a concept. It's just, it's more the evolution of us and where we came from and where we plan to get to. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, the world can anticipate having a couple singles off this album out in advance? Um, yeah, uh, actually, I do think that that's going to be a possibility because I think you kind of have to do that to promote. And since uh, we wanted the, those three songs out, you know, to promote this um, and the direction that this is now gone is completely different. So I think we're going to have to release some, you know, some of the, the tracks to make this make more sense. You know, because even though those three songs went along with this album, it was kind of just like... Uh, 
the pre-show to the big game, so to speak, because we had no idea what direction this was going to go in or that we were going to lose people and things were going to evolve the way that it did. But I think all of it translates perfectly through the album. So I think it's going to be good. I hope you like it. Um, oh, I'm sure everybody's going to love it. Are you uh, doing any recording yourselves? Is Josh handling any kind of raw tracking? Or are you guys just doing straight studio work on this one? Um, well, the three singles that we did worked really well for us because we recorded it in our own studio and then we sent it off and had them, you know, edit it, mix it, master it, get it how, how we wanted it. And that's been kind of our process. So that's kind of what we're sticking to. Um, we, of course, we start out recording just the guitars at home as a scratch track for everybody to go by. And then of course we'll go into the studio for drums because Drums is hell to record at home oh, yeah. and to get everything right and sounding properly. So we want to go to the studio for that. And then I think the guys will go ahead and record their guitars because you can't really screw that up much. You know, you just plug in and go. So they'll they'll record their own guitar stems, send those to the studio. And then Jacob and I will go to the studio to do vocals because once again, in order to get the perfect sound to what we want and translate how we hear it, we need professionals to do that because we're professional musicians, but we in no way are professionals when it comes to recording. So we just want the best product possible. Since it has been delayed so long, we want it to be the best that it can be. So we're taking our time with it. Yeah. With the with the vocals specifically, I'm curious, are you guys uh, in proximity of each other when you're recording vocals? Because there's that, there's that certain vibe that you that you get with dual vocalists that it really sometimes, if not done properly, can come across as sterile if the people don't have each other to feed off. And I know that you and Jeb fed off each other quite a bit. How is that dynamic working for you and Jacob in the studio? Are you recording everything totally separately or is there any kind of a live takes or live scratch tracks or anything? Well, um, since we haven't done vocals yet, we've done some, some practice runs and, and, uh, it's a good practice to sit and write together as well. Um, with Jeb and I, uh, whenever we recorded vocals, we'd go together and be each other's cheerleader. So I could kind of hear what he was doing and vice versa. So we could kind of build off that. And, you know, when somebody else is doing things in, in the studio, sometimes I'll hear things that I didn't hear when we were writing it and I'll just add it in the studio work. And then of course, remember what I was doing and, and do that live. So it's kind of the same process. Uh, it was a little bit different because Jeb and I had a lot of time together um, as friends and as bandmates. So things flowed so naturally. Jacob got thrown into everything right before we had all these shows. So we didn't have time to write together. We didn't have time to sit and just chill together. It was just work, work, work. So, you know, in our downtime now, we're trying to try and make up for that. And uh, we just spend time together just hanging out to try and get to know each other better and how we write and how the process is. And that's been really good for us. And, um, you know, we've had downtime as the band as well. So we've gotten way more practice in together to kind of see how things are going to go, which is going to translate to the studio. So I think once we go in to do vocals, it's just going to be very natural. I think it'll be the same process because we've learned each other and how we do things. And I think since the stage uh, presence that we've had together has helped out immensely, if we didn't have that, I don't know, you know, what the bond would be like in the studio, but it's kind of the same just without people watching. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Um, anytime you've got two vocalists, especially two vocalists with with a uh, kind of differing styles, if you will, such as dying oath. Uh, I think that uh, the chemistry plays a very important role in, in how that gets pulled off. Um, so, you know, obviously there's plenty of studio magic and wizardry and all that stuff that can happen. But um, you know, I really, I've always appreciated kind of dying oath's approach to kind of the storytelling and the vocals are a huge part of that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, you can have, all the music you want. And I think that, you know, in some ways that does translate. Um, whenever I hear the things that Josh and Ryan write, it kind of gives me a feeling of what they were trying to translate when they wrote it. And I think vocals are the same way, except 
you know, there's something so surreal about it because it actually is words that you can read and, and, and take in and figure out how you feel about it. And some of it is just, you know, blatantly obvious, but I think the vocals do play the biggest part in everything because a lot of people, whether they like to admit it or not, that's the main thing they focus on. So even when we're on stage, a lot of times they're focusing more on vocalists than they are, you know, the rest of the band and not to say that they're not absolutely, you know, as important as everybody else, but the vocals are always the thing that you cling to the most and that translate those feelings on paper. So it's very important that we try and, you know, translate the best possible so that these stories can get out. And so a lot of times there's a lot of, we'll write it down. We hate it. We throw it away. We write it down. We hate it. We throw it away. And especially with dual vocalists, we've got to figure out where the cleans should be, where the screams got to come in for that real impact, you know, where pauses need to be. And people don't really understand that process unless they have to do it because all you hear is what we wrote. And then that that's what you see and what you feel about it. But there's so much more of like, okay, well, should I do harmonies here? Is that going to sound right? Should I scream and overlay what you're doing? Do I need to hold off and give you a little time to breathe so that you can get your, your point across and then come in and, and do what I need to do? Should this be all screams? Should it be all cleans? It's, it's a real process, especially the writing. It's just it takes a lot of time, and that's why it's taken two years to get an album done. So. Yeah. And with you, Dying Oath, your songs, the vocals are like characters almost, right? And depending on how those vocals are performed, you'll feel like you're talking to one person or listening to another person, even if it's the same person doing the vocal tracks. The Insomniac's a prime example of that, how how different people interpret, you know, what that song means. And, you know, this phrase is sung this way and it means this. So I, I think that uh, one of the things that makes you stand apart is that your vocals are, in fact, very, I say methodical. There's definitely a purpose behind the way that they're approached. And so I'm sure that your process is probably grueling. It definitely is. And you're absolutely right about that. I mean, every song is different. It's kind of like little babies. You love them all. <laughs> But they're all so different and you have to approach them all different. And so like uh, per se with Modern Testament, you know, that was two sides of the same coin. It was kind of like somebody in their conscience, you know, speaking. And then with Insomniac, it was like the good and bad in a person, you know, like your regular self and then your angry self, you know, speaking to you and trying to um, inhabit your head and kind of tell you that you're not good enough. And then, you know, the good side fighting back and saying, you know, I can do that. And then with end of days, it was kind of like, um, telling the same story, but from like a softer standpoint of like, okay, well, I'm scared this is happening. And then the, the more outrage standpoint of, okay, well, this is happening and we're going to have to do something about it. And so it's kind of, once again, like you and your conscience speaking to yourself, trying to figure out what you're going to do through, you know, hard times. So the rest of the album is, is kind of the same way. Uh, some of it is two sides of the same coin. Some of it is like your conscience speaking to itself. And some of it is just, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror. So it's, it's all different, but it's all kind of the same. Um, we just wanted to show people that there are two sides to everything. And sometimes they agree with each other and sometimes they don't. <laughs> it's like the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? Just uh, constantly battling there at you. Absolutely. That's that's kind of what it is. And that's uh, one of the reasons why we do kind of play characters on stage. Um, you know, I always wear the, the contacts and I'm always like this scary, you know, the scary one. And Jacob and Jeb, we're both kind of like, you know, you're just your regular self. And so um, I think the, the characteristics on stage kind of help tell that story, too, so that you can tell the difference between who is speaking and, and why. So as a as an artist yourself, then when you're looking at recording this new album, are, are you doing anything different with your vocals? Are we going to hear um, some of your clean vocals anywhere in there? Because uh, obviously you're a, you're a fabulous singer for multiple styles of music. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, 
Yeah, I think, like I said, it's an evolution. And when we first started out, we were kind of like, well, this is what we want. This is what we're going to stand by. But then as you have more time together and you have more time writing, I mean, we've all evolved as humans as well as musicians. So, you know, new things happen in your life that kind of change your mind about things or you get uh, influenced by other bands when you're out there playing with them and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'd really like to try that. Or, you know, I want to push my own boundaries. And I think this album is more so us um, kind of in a competition with ourselves. You know, uh, we've done all this material for so long. We're constantly finding ways to improve it and to be better. And so I think by the time we get the album out, you know, my vocals mostly I can speak on because I don't know how the rest of them feel about their writing process, but um, I've kind of pushed the boundaries on what I can do. Like my screams, if you listen to um, Insomniac, just between Insomniac to End of Days, my vocals got so much better from all the practice and, and some of the vocal lessons that I was taking to try and learn new techniques. And I've learned so much more since then as well um, with my cleans and my screams. So there's a lot more technique to it than me just going out there and being enraged and screaming at the top (laughs) of my lungs, which is how I started with this. But now it's like you said, uh, there's a method to my madness. I've kind of come into my own as a vocalist and learned where my voice is and what I want it to sound like and how different it needs to be from, from Jacobs and how similar it needs to be in the harmony parts. And so I've learned a lot from other bands mostly, um, but I've also learned a lot from my bandmates because there have been times where I'm like, okay, I think that's good enough. Josh is like, no, it isn't. We're deleting it. Go again, because I know that there's more that you can reach down and get, and it pisses me off just enough for me to do better. And so I'll go in and, you know, have a conversation with myself and get into the headspace that I have to get into to kind of get this all out. And, um, We've just learned so much, but I think that uh, Jacob's cleans since he started are leaps and bounds above what they were just from being in the band and learning new things. And uh, I myself can tell you, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I feel like I've I've gotten leaps and bounds better with my cleans and my screams. And I won't give it all away, but there is one song that I do the cleans and the screams in. And there's a song that he does uh, some screams in. Oh, and um, so we're kind of pushing the bar of, uh, you know, pushing the envelope of what we're capable of. Um, in the beginning, it was like, well, Jeb couldn't scream. It wasn't something that he wanted to do either. So I had that all of that to myself and he had all the cleans. And so we gave him more cleans so that we both had equal parts. But now having Jacob, who does both parts, there's so much more that we can do with one another and so many more stories that we can tell through our voices. So there are more experimental harmonies. There are more cleans on my part. There are a couple of screams that Jacob does. Uh, There are some overlaps that we didn't have in other songs and some downright just weird things that we're doing. that I hope translates well because it does go along with the story, but it's just new methods that we've never tried before. So we won't really know if it works until people hear it. So yeah. So not crossed. only, not only are you pushing the boundaries of what you're capable of and maybe stepping outside of your comfort zone, but now you're also going to introduce a new dynamic to the audience that they may not be expecting. So uh, I, I think that's great. I, I, for one love when vocalists, try new things. And I love when vocalists can play different techniques off of each other. So, uh, I can say that there's probably going to be a lot of folks looking forward to, to hearing that stuff from you too. Well, also, you know, and not even just with the vocals though, you know, the, with the first three songs we were just writing and Ryan, uh, Endicott wasn't uh, super comfortable with writing at the time. And since then he started writing and he's put out this really great material So he's actually written some of the songs and not just all of Josh, you know, doing all the stuff like we started out with. So that's going to change things as well. Um, Kristen is also a vocalist. She's the vocalist and guitar player for Villain Over Heroes. So she might be doing some harmony parts, uh, three part harmonies. We don't really know. Um, But she also carries over that guitar playing to bass. So that's a lot different than anything that Matney was doing as well. So you know, there's a lot of experimenting going on with 
who can do what parts. And Kristen's actually helping out with writing some of the guitar parts because she's a guitar player. So some of her stuff is going in on the album as well. So it started out kind of cut and dry with everybody just stay in your position, stay in your lane. This is what we're doing. And now it's like everybody's doing everything. And <laughs> me and Jacob actually are both bass players. So we're kind of putting our our own uh, little spin and helping Kristen with some of the new parts. And uh, Endicott actually used to be the drummer. So Back in the original lineup. Some of that. Exactly. Yep. So everybody kind of has a hand in this album. Um, you know, it's not just stay in your lane anymore. It's like, how much more can we put into this to make this better? You know, what do you guys think should be here? And everybody has a say and it's kind of very democratic and it's very equal. And I think that it's going to translate into the music because it's not just going to be everything sounds the same because Josh wrote it or because I wrote it or whatever. Now it's going to be, well, we all had a part in it. So it's going to be this weird melting pot of dying oath. Mm -hmm. And I think that works so much better than just everybody writing one part. Yeah, a true team dynamic. And I've seen some of uh, Ryan's videos just online, some little tidbits and tasty fucking pieces of awesomeness that he's thrown out there to, to tease people with. So, uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. And I, as a guitarist myself, I just want to put this out there that I love your guys's guitar tone. Um, it's heavy, it's chunky, it's crunchy, it's melodic. Um, just the whole approach to how your overall sound is, I think is it's absolutely epic. So I think that's cool. Everybody's got a hand in everything. And I, I think that will, affect just the way everything sounds and the way it's presented. So I, I think it's a, I guess, a new chapter truly for Dying Oath. It really is. And like I said, we're still staying in that 2000s metalcore kind of vein as far as like our guitar tones go and how the drums are and, you know, the clean and screams uh, working well together. But at the same time, like I said, with this, the new lineup and how things are evolving, it's just this new modern, like, crispy shiny new distraction if you will you know it's like this this new entity altogether. so all the while we're keeping the same songs and doing what dying oath does best but at the same time it's like this new take on it like a it's a new chapter to the same book i guess it's it's incredible to watch it all go down yeah well now we have something definitive to kind of look forward to are there other projects in the works? Do you guys have any events planned? Is there anything that people can look forward to on the immediate horizon? Or are, are we going to just be bashing our heads against the wall for the next year, uh, trying to figure out what the hell is uh, we're going to hear from Dying Oath next? Um, I don't think that we really know for a fact what we're doing. Because like I said, uh, we just wanted to take time off to get the album. We didn't really think too far ahead. And then, of course, you know, we're talking to management. Um, so that's going to kind of change the course of things, I'm sure, because they knew more about what we need to be doing than we do. We've just been winging it as a DIY, which I think will be the same course that we're going to stay on for a good while. But at least we'll have good advice to kind of help us steer in the direction of what's next. We know what we need to do to write music, to get material out and whatever. But there's always another step. And we're constantly trying to find other people that can help us. OK, well, what do we do like on the next step? Like, how do we top what we just did? So the album, of course, is the first thing um, we may or may not record some um, some covers just for fun, just to to give to the fans to kind of hold you over until the album's done. We discuss that. Um, we do know for a fact that we are playing a couple of festivals at the end of the year um, because we will be ready for that. But we're just not sure how long it's going to take for us to get back out and do shows with all new members trying to get the album done, uh, you know, talking to management, all of this other stuff that's got to go on behind the scenes that we completely skimped on for the first few years, just trying to get our name out there. So as I said, now, right now, we're just trying to play catch up. And unfortunately, it's you guys that have to suffer through that with us. Um, so I'm very thankful that you guys have kind of stuck around with only us having three singles in two years is crazy. And you're still here. So thank you for that. Um, but we are going to be putting out, um, you know, more content uh, to to kind of build hype for things, to show you more behind the scenes, to show you more of what Dying Oath is instead of just here we are, let's play some shows, load up and go home. It's going to be more so of like, OK, well, this is a foundation that we are now building. So everything takes steps. But uh, definitely I know that we'll be playing at least one hometown show. 
definitely be playing a couple of festivals if nothing else, but we'd like to play a couple of, of small shows if we can just get at least the album groundwork laid done enough to get out there and be able to do so. Um, new merch, of course, with every year comes new merch and, and new photos and all of that good stuff that bands consider so grueling to get done because everything takes so much time, but we're, we'll definitely be back soon. And, uh, the album will be done soon. It's just getting the process of it edited and where it needs to be. So please stick with us. Well, obviously people are sticking with you. And I think that, uh, they, are so dedicated the the dying oath family is so dedicated to the band and I, I i'm sure that everybody's looking forward to new material new merch that's all awesome but the reality is they're going to give you as long as you need because they know it's coming I, I don't think there's anybody out there that says they're all just full of shit you know they're like <laughs> no we we know we know it's coming so i think that that's that's good just to hear it you know straight from the source Well, and that's also what the first two years was about was, you know, showing people what we're about, doing these interviews, doing these podcasts, trying to get to know everybody, letting them get to know us, making a name for ourselves, playing as many shows as we could possibly muster so that we could get the word out everywhere, you know, and not just in Virginia, but getting it out as far out as we possibly could so that we could build this foundation of fans because the only way to stay relevant is to build a good fan base and to give back to them as much as they're giving to you. And I think that's something that we've conquered in the last two years and that we're good at. And one thing that we have done and accomplished as opposed to getting out new material, we've more so just built this family, this friendship with our fans. And I think that was more important than, than trying to get famous or discovered or any of that, because there's like you said, all the time in the world for that, but without our fans, we're nothing. So it was more so just to build that relationship with them. And now that we've done that and we can kind of lay back and give ourselves time to breathe and give ourselves time to get this done. Cause I think every band panics like, Oh man, we've, we've only got so long. I, you know, we're getting older. We need to get this out. We need to do this. And there's so much pressure from all sides that you're always constantly on a time frame, even if you're not. So, you know, now is the time that we can actually take a second to relax, take a deep breath, get done what we needed to get done, and then come back with a bang, with a vengeance. So that's pretty much the plan so far. Yeah. Then what is the best way for people out there in the universe to keep track of Dying Oath with what's going on with you? What's the best source of information for all your music, all your updated news, all your killer merch? Where's the best place to go? Um, I think it just depends because, you know, some people have Facebook, some people don't, some people can get online, some people can't. Um, but our website, dyingoathband.com is definitely where we update everything, our tour dates, uh, photos, all of that good stuff. Anything that gets uploaded immediately goes there. Um, our Facebook page is definitely a huge source because you get a lot of stuff on the Facebook page that you're not going to get on the, on our business website and all of that. You get to see more of who we are, but the number one thing that we use as a tool is our fan page, which is the dying Oath family page, because there's only so many things that we can post on our Facebook page every day, but on the dying Oath family page, on the fan page, you get behind the scenes stuff. You get to see how goofy we actually are as human beings and not just you know, who you see on the stage and who we have to be in kind of a professional setting. So, you know, if you want to get to know us more, then you're going to go to the Dying Oath family page and become a part of that and kind of see all the stuff that you don't get to see professionally and keep up with the regular Facebook page for all the updates. So it kind of just depends on what you want, I guess. Right on. Join the cult. That's what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Mindy, this has been amazing to catch up with you again uh, after so long. What uh, final words do you have today? I say final words like I'm never going to talk to you again, but, you know, what do you want to get out there to the fans before I, I let you get back to your day today? It's usually always the same thing. Um, I just want to say thank you because we there's no way we would be as big as we are or as, you know, as heard of as we are, if it wasn't for the fans and thank you for sticking by the last two years with only three songs to give you. And with only 
so much money to be able to put into merch and, and so on and so forth. So thank you for getting through all the hard times with us. And now we just want you to, to be there through the good times with us now that we are a little more seasoned and know what the hell we're doing. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you guys more than anything else on the planet. And for as long as you'll have us, we'll keep making music. Right on. And of course uh, you can count on myself and misery point radio for perpetual support. Always here for you. Anytime you want to reach out and let me know what's going on. Uh, We'll plug it across all the old airwaves there and uh, make sure that we support you on your journey. I'm looking forward to hearing new stuff from you and just looking forward to seeing all the, all the cool things that are, going to be happening with you over this next year or so thank you for all that you do because you were also a part of you know getting the word out and and showing people who we actually are because without podcasts and magazines and all these other routes people don't actually get to know us they just get to know what they see on stage and what they hear through our music so i just want to say that we really appreciate you and you really have been a big part of the dying oath family and we love you tremendously. So thank you for all that you do. Oh, well, bless your fucking souls. I love you guys too. And looking forward to hearing more from the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Mindy Jackson, Dying Oath. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you. And thanks as always to all of you out there in the wasteland for hanging with me on Misery Point Radio. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast on all the streaming platforms and check out the full station on Live 365 by going to live365.com or by downloading the app. Then just search for Misery Point Radio and let the metal assault begin. Congrats to Dying Oath on all their success. I'm definitely looking forward to the new material. And now because I played their other two singles last time Mindy was on, here's their latest to take you home. This one's called End of Days. Later. Blackout, let's go.